We are Allie and Erica, certified integrative nutrition health coaches in gut and hormone health and the hosts of the podcast, Courageous Wellness. We are committed to destigmatizing conversations in the wellness space and celebrate the experiences and lessons of our guests in pursuit of physical, emotional, and spiritual wellness. Listen to Courageous Wellness wherever you get your podcasts with fresh episodes every Wednesday. Help Me Be Me is self-help for people who hate self-help, hosted by me, Sarah May. What I talk about on my show is my personal opinion, and it's not a substitute for professional help. I'm not a licensed therapist, and this is based on my personal opinion. So take what helps and leave the rest. If you're really suffering, call 911 or your local emergency services. Thanks. Hi, friends. It's Sarah May. And this is an episode all about quitting smoking or that other thing that's killing you, whatever it is. So just before you get freaked out, this is an episode that is a rumination on why to quit whatever that thing is and kind of like a a chance for you to reflect on whether or not you want to do this thing. Maybe that thing is smoking or vaping or an eating disorder or an over-exercise disorder of sorts or drug abuse or whatever it is. So this is for anyone who wants, who thinks they may want to quit something, but you're terrified of trying again or you feel hopeless about that or overwhelmed. And maybe you've already proven to yourself that you don't like life without this thing enough to stay off of it or you're just too disheartened to try again. But I would bet that you fucking hate this thing so much. Like you hate it and it causes you so much sadness and lost time and lost life experiences and lost self-esteem. And you wish more than anything, you could just press a button and that this thing would be gone from your life and that you wouldn't have to struggle with this problem anymore. And this thing that just keeps you, it stays between you and others. It keeps you from love or keeps you from health or keeps you from hope or confidence or really feeling like you can invest in your life being long and happy. I know that feeling well. It's like living as a dead person. Like you are always aware of this dark shadow that is this thing. It's like this deadly addiction and you just want to turn off your ears and your mind to it because it really feels like I have no other option. So why would I listen to this? Why would I explore this? Just keep going with me, if you will, because I have, um, I, I would call my own spin on that. I just want you to hear me out. I'm, I'm not going to force you to do anything. This is not like the end of this episode. You're going to have to like suddenly lose this thing. It's just, if you're curious, please continue to listen. And this episode is for my Aunt Margaret, who died last week of lung cancer. And it was a very painful process for her. And she died because she smoked cigarettes. And I'm not going to go into depth on that in this episode. I'm just giving you context for why I'm doing it. It's not, this is not a scare tactic kind of episode. It's, it's more explaining my personal path when it comes to moving out of an addiction more than anything. It's just my explanation of how to release it, you know, of how to like choose to let go of it because it is a choice more than anything. It's a choice. And I don't think we can actually make that choice when we're in it because we really think 
I fucking love this thing and I can't let go of it or, or this thing is helping me in some way. Like we can't see it for what it is, which is something you wish you never started in the first place. For, for your own background, I used to smoke cigarettes, as did my husband, as did my mom and my dad and my husband's dad. And I got my dad to quit. I got my husband to quit. I got my mother-in-law to quit. My aunt tried, but she was not able to stick the landing. And so she gave up. She retreated. And she felt like there was no hope because that anxiety of loss is terrifying. And, and so she really believed that, this, that she loved this thing and that she wanted to have this thing in her life. And I think that's true for a lot of people out there. Like when you try and quit something and you can't, like you don't have the will to do it, or when you face that fear um, and then you fail because you think, I can't lose this in my life. I, I need it. I rely on it. Like you get terrified. And so you say to yourself, well, I tried my hardest and it didn't work or it wasn't worth it. So you get, you just give up on that idea because you've, you've already got walked down that road and I learned, uh, you know, I couldn't do it because you think then, oh, it's just going to be too hard. I've already witnessed myself fail. It's just not going to happen for me. I've already been there. However, all of this is built on the wrong foundation. Like the, that belief system is predicated on you using your will of you have, having to somehow force yourself to stop despite loving that thing. But what you can't seem to understand in that process from this perspective of fear of loss is that you actually hate this thing and that thing is very much in your bloodstream. It's very much creating the anxiety and it's a cycle that has to be kind of reset in order for it to really be, be dismantled correctly. You have to understand how it works and you also have to be able to step out of that, the effects of that drug so that the loop can be broken. So it's a very, there's a very logical process that is effective. And in order to get yourself to the successful outcome, you have to get to the, to the, to the understanding that allows you to see outside of it. It has to be a complete comprehension of all of the, the inner workings of this thing in you. It's not like, for example, there's no way I would have quit drugs from the center of the addiction. I had to get to the side where I could see all of what was happening and see that I actually really did not want to do that anymore. And I, that was from, from that place I could move out of it. Same goes for an eating disorder, for my eating disorder. Same goes for smoking. You can't jump to the end from where you are because you're not there yet. You haven't chosen yet. You haven't gotten to the logical understanding based on all the information of seeing this thing separate from you, of seeing this chemical process that's affecting you and separating from it enough, you know? So if you've tried and failed and now you shy away from looking at this thing, I just, I wanted to do this ep episode for you in particular because I know that state so well of like resignation, of hopelessness and feeling like that constant state of just sadness, like acceptance of something that you dread reflecting upon. Or maybe you tell yourself like, well, I, I really do love it. I really love smoking. I really love vaping. I really find relief in it. I really am able to control my 
eating because of it, or I'm really able to soothe myself with this. I can't let go of this habit because it's the only thing that keeps me balanced, or it's part of my identity. Whatever it is, whatever that story is, I was, I was there too. But I will ask you, if you could press a button and that habit would be gone forever, magically, would you do it? Would you, would you press it? I would guess the answer is yes. And therefore, logically, the idea that you do like this thing is absolutely not true. To wish you could get rid of a habit demonstrates that it is not, in fact, something you love. And it does not make your life better. You know that. It does not make you feel better. It doesn't make you more in control. It doesn't do anything good for you. I would never choose to push a button and suddenly never do yoga again. So if you, if you would not gift this particular habit to anyone you love, then I would say that shows you the truth of how you feel about it. And as I mentioned before, there is a huge factor in this equation that we often cannot fully conceptualize, and that is the chemical effect this thing has on our brain and our body. There was a time in your life when you were not addicted to this chemical loop, and you could actually see this thing for what it really was. Like you could see at this, at whatever age this was, let's say we were four or five or nine or whatever it is. From there, you can see like, ew, that thing is really dysfunctional. Oh, that's really toxic and gross. Like, why do people do that? That's terrible. What a waste of time. What a waste of money. It's, we could see it for what it was, but now it has created our body's reliance on it. Your body previously could tell just from a visceral and natural response to this thing. Like that is poison. That is not good. That is not fun. I'm guessing you probably had to teach yourself how to be reliant on this thing, how to practice tolerating this thing. Like you almost had to force yourself into being into it by repeating it. And it was probably gross and not natural and not fun. But then with enough practice, it got its hooks into you. So I just want you to revisit that time when you were practicing it, you know, for the, for the, at the beginning, like what did it take to get yourself trained into reliance? And maybe that was the time you had a lot of nothing to live for type of feelings or chaos or upheaval or lack of groundedness, or you just wanted to feel something different that was opposite your life. Maybe you wanted to have a habit, wanted to have something to look forward to, wanted to have something cool about you, something to occupy you. I don't know. I mean, there's so many different things I'm tackling that it's like with cocaine, it's a very different emotional uh, feeling at the beginning than, for example, bulimia, you know, like they help us in different ways though. But whatever it is, some part of us is like, I probably don't want to put this in my body. This is probably poisonous for me. Or I don't want to do this to my body. But then we practiced it until it became an addiction and we didn't care anymore. And then that thing is just controlling us. Like you didn't realize it during that time, but you were actually creating a much worse sense of discomfort and anxiety as a norm for your everyday life. Like before that, you were much more balanced and well off than when you started practicing this new habit. But we can't see that. It, like you can't even remember that 
That is true. But in the process of growing an addiction, we create a super anxious and unstable, chemically unstable self. And that's true for also smoking. When it comes to nicotine, like meaning smoking or vaping or lozenges or gum or whatever other forms they come in now, or also something like binge eating or binging and purging or withholding food or over-exercising, what happens is you are creating an imbalance that exacerbates anxiety. And in the process of enacting our ritual of whatever our toxic habit is, we are releasing the chemicals that make us feel like this is the only thing that can help us feel in control or calm again. So with drugs, you know, there are obviously chemicals, but then there are also chemicals that are released in our brain when we take in lots of high sugar, high fat foods. Um, and they're very similar. The, the, the things that are released in your brain are identical. So you're getting high and you're getting a release, but then you're also creating the sense of reliance on that process that evokes potent and powerful fear of losing it. And that fear of losing this quote tool is an illusion. It's a hallucination. It's like a drug-induced hallucination that we can't lose this thing, that like this thing is helping us. That's what we start to hallucinate. And I remember being a drug addict and a smoker and a bulimic and being so potently terrified of losing the right to do this thing that I knew was going to kill me. And I didn't see that as not my true self. I saw it as, I really do want this. Don't go to rehab. Don't make me go to rehab because they'll take this away from me and I need it. And like that fear of losing the control to do this thing, that fear kept me from confronting those problems. Because I was just like, no, 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 what I can't, I can't lose the freedom to do these things that are destroying my body. So I want, what I want to spell out to you today is not, is that those are not your true feelings, the clinging to this thing, the clinging to this addiction, this habit, whatever it is, that is a chemical result of the habit itself. It is not your truth. This thing, whatever it is, you hate it. It fucking sucks and it's killing you. I had a therapist tell me once that I was committing slow suicide and that like stung. I was, I was very unsettling to hear. It was almost offensive because it's true. And it was like, I really feel like it was helpful to hear that because somebody was like rubbing in my face, like you're fucking killing yourself. It is like a very slow suicide and it is not improving your life. It is killing you. So I want you to know that it, this thing itself is creating the feeling of terror around the possibility of losing it. That fear is kind of similar to the withdrawal from the actual effects of the drug on your brain, whatever your drug is. So I just want you to chew on that for one moment. Me minus this thing, whatever it is, will not have a true fear or panic around losing this thing. Me minus the effects of this thing will not be afraid of not having this thing. It's just the thing is creating this fear. So once you are healed from its effects... You will feel free and full of hope and gratitude and optimism. You, minus this thing, can live a full life that is full of joy and confidence. And you can feel comfortable and safe with all of you. 
you know? You will lack the, the response of anxiety that surrounds acquiring this thing, whatever it is, you know, of, of being able to like enact the thing. I remember being a smoker and so much of my time was spent planning when I can go smoke. Like when I was with friends or family at a gathering, I was thinking like, how, how soon can I go smoke? Can I leave this conversation soon? Like how fucking long are they going to continue to talk? I was almost mad at people for keeping me from the smoking. Like what a robbery of my time smoking this conversation is. Like, oh, can they go a little faster? But like, fuck you, cigarettes. Like that's a robbery of my life's focus and enjoyment and my presence, you know? When I was a heroin addict and a cocaine addict, it's so weird and difficult for me to talk about that. I mean, it still has so much resonance and shame in my body. It's like almost like... (laughs) barely comes out. I can barely say it, but that's the truth. I was a cocaine and a heroin addict for years and years, but it took all of my resources to go and get drugs. It took, it was pretty much a full-time job and I had to take the entire day to go and get the money and then to go and get the drugs and then to wait for the drugs, wait for them to arrive and then to go find a place to do them and then to actually do them and then to lie about it and then hide it and pretend that I was living a healthy, normal life and like enact all the things that look like the healthy, normal life. And the same goes for bulimia. That is also a full-time job. It's such an energy suck. Like you're always, it's, it's meant basically like you're living your entire life in another room from everybody else. Even when you're with friends or you're with loved ones or your partner, or you're doing something that should give you joy and fun. It's like you're preoccupied with this whole other self and the secret of this whole other self. And you're mentally always kind of like arranging your life around this thing. So what happens when you see this fear of losing this habit, whatever it is, as you can see this is not yours, it's the fucking thing itself, then you can start to trace the outline of your own self once again. Like you can, you can see like, no, I'm not a nicotine loving person. I'm not a person who loves to throw up their food. I'm not a person that loves to uh, inject chemicals into my body. I'm a person who wants to be balanced and happy and normal and not have a chemical loop occurring in my body. So the chemical loop is, that is the one that is so currently persuasive that you are ascribing different meaning to it. And we all do this. When we feel anxious and we lack a feeling of calm or comfort, we want to have a tool that makes us feel in control of that thing. We don't realize that when it comes to a drug or something that induces the effects of a drug, that the thing is going to create the actual anxiety times a million. Like there is such a different quality of life when you have the ability to self-regulate minus this thing. It's such a different ability to calm. That's, it goes deeper. It's clear, you know, it's resolute. It's simple. There is such a future. There is such a reality that exists where you are able to calm and soothe your body and not use this thing anymore. The, the corrected untangled self exists in your future. That is absolutely a possibility 
So I just want to invite you now to imagine you feeling free and light and never having to worry about this deadly habit anymore again, like feeling no craving for it, not feeling like you need it at all, not feeling like it's important to you or that your body needs it to stay balanced or that not feeling like you need it or just to be a good version of yourself or just, just picture now, imagine that being true for you. And imagine what a relief that is. Imagine how happy that feeling is. Just live in that for a second. Because that is an actual possible outcome that exists for you. You absolutely can have that. I mean, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not special. I, didn't, I don't feel like I'm like a... I'm no different. And I found my way out of, clawed my way out of all of those things. And it really comes down to understanding the, the mental construct. That's it. It's like you have to debunk the, the lying, fearful thoughts and see that they're bullshit. And then you can start to figure out the right tools to work your way out. But it's, it's really about combating the thoughts. It's almost like we have so many anxious thoughts that are like, but I can't, but I can't let go of that, but I don't want to let go of that. All that's bullshit. So you, I'm just trying to get you to see that that's true. I think you probably know that's true. So with that, I have what I would call my starter pack of tools for this topic because it really requires you do some in-depth work, whether that's with a therapist or reading a book. More on that in this tool section. The first tool, set the goal. This is a no-da. I put it in a lot of episodes, but this is a huge thing in this particular topic. Deciding what it is you are working toward and making it official that you are not resigned to this thing. It is terrifying. It's a scary thing to do. I work with a charity called The Teen Project, Google them, donate to them. They're amazing. Anyway, they gave me this thing they were selling for, um, to try and get donations or raise money. And it's called a God box, which is a triggering word for me personally. But anywho, long story short, it's a little box. And when I went through my divorce, I was trying really, really hard to get myself to exit a relationship, um, that was crippling, you know, the amount of, fear of loss I had. I, I knew I needed to leave it, but I was, it was very painful. So I started using this God box and putting what I wanted to, to the strength to do, just writing on little pieces of paper and putting it inside this box. So what I want you to have is some sort of ceremonial box of some sort. You can make one. That'd be amazing. If not, you can just fold it very nicely and seal it in, you know, a little envelope shape or whatever and put it in your wallet or put it in a drawer where you have special stuff or maybe you put it on your vision board or you tuck it in that sleeve in your journal. The point is to the gesture should, ha- should have some resonance of some kind. So maybe you're using a fancy pen and whatever it is, make it s- just give emphasis and time to it. Make it special and write the thing you are now working toward which is giving up blank. I want to heal from blank. And I know this sounds easy, but it's a lot harder 
than you think it is. So really savor it, maybe cry about it, and know that you mean it. That is my first tool. The second tool I'm calling throw the rope up the rock. And there are a couple variations in this one. So the first one, what I mean by that is like, if you are trying to climb up a mountain in olden days and all you have is one rope, it's like you got to have a hook on that rope and you throw it higher than you are and you look for it to, to catch on something and you pull yourself up. Then you do it again. You throw it higher than you are. So we're going to be doing that with knowledge and change. So you're, by that I mean like you have to act by throwing yourself into an action despite if your brain wants to do it. So much of correcting unhealthy habits is done in this way. So when it comes to smoking or drinking or um, I think there's an eating one as well, I want you to buy right now, literally, if you are in a safe place, like pull over the car, I want you to buy Alan Carr's Easy Way to Quit Smoking Google it and purchase it and download it or just download the sample. Preferably buy it though because why don't you read the whole thing? Maybe it's in the Audible app, whatever it is, uh, get your web browser open, buy that book and just pause me and read the very first page or two pages. I really, really, really want you to do it. Do it now, please. Okay, I'm hoping you do that. So the future of this tool is going to be you doing that exact thing. You're throwing the rope up the mountain with your eyes closed. You're going to open that up and read another page when your brain isn't looking. And you're trying to get the content into your mind despite your entire body not wanting to do it. Like, I feel like the same thing happens with it. You know, if you're trying to overcome an eating disorder, you're going to need to move your body in the direction of things that will help you despite your brain being like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? So like you're going to need a therapist for sure. So I would say force this, my version of getting, throwing the rope up the mountain with a therapist would be calling a therapist and self-disclosing all of the info you can possibly get out of your body as fast as you possibly can. It's like you need a crack of light to expose this problem and you need to keep practicing doing that, like pushing yourself to be farther ahead than you're ready to be throughout this process. And for me, with the eating eating disorder, that was the hardest step in the world was starting to reveal the problem to anyone in the world really. Cause it's like, it's been such a secret and it's so difficult to put yourself in that next stage of like, now I'm openly working on it. Now it's an actual real concrete problem in my life. So this is, this tool is really about continuing to throw yourself farther than you currently are by force. And if it helps you, I invite you to write to me and self-disclose if you, if like, if, if it, that helps you start the process going, I mean, I get a lot of that anyway, but like, I know that's, it's terrifying. I remember trying to tell people like, and nothing would come out. I remember telling this, this girl I went to college with died of, um, bulimia and her mother wrote a book about her. It's called Andrea's voice. Google that support her. That would be amazing. She's a wonderful woman. Anyway, I went up to her. She was speaking at my college and I couldn't get it out of my mouth. It was like, couldn't, wouldn't come out of my body. So I know that feeling really well. So if that's something you're struggling with, I invite you to tell me. 
can write to me and go to yaywithme.com and just start the process of starting to get this info out there to people who can help you and inviting people to give you input and allow you to grow and change. You know, we need someone outside of us, especially as control freaks. We need people outside of us to give us resources that we haven't thought of yet. That's such a huge part of healing and growth and change. Okay. My next tool is called the map. And this is basically what, what to expect as you walk this path. I think one of the scariest things in this process of letting go of an addiction is feeling powerless. Like you feel like I'm going to lose control though. Right now I have so much control over this thing in my life. And like if, as soon as I start to open up to other people or as soon as I start to confront it or try and curb it in some way, it's like you feel like you have no safety blanket. You feel like tumbling backwards. Like how do I live with this temptation forever? I used to think that. I used to think like, how am I going to exist though around um, whatever, buffets or happy hours? Like know that you won't understand it from here because you don't have the will. I mean, there's no one that has the willpower, you know? The temptation that you think it will be, that or the temptation that you may have now isn't forever. Because once you have had some healthy living under your belt and once your chemicals have become more regulated, you you have the ability to have autonomy. You have the ability to control your own actions. And you can't see that from right now. You can't experience that from where you are right now. Because right now you are in it, you know? And once you're outside of it and you have your health back, you never want to go back there again, you know? You're like, I'm so fucking glad I got out of that. I can't believe I got out of it. It's like you're so relieved. And it gets, in my opinion, easier and easier and easier to stay healthy and free as you go, as you get more time under your belt away from it. Because you grow to know you and your habits and your routine in your life, you through all experiences as a healthy and functioning person whose identity does not have a routine based in using. So the triggers get weaker and weaker and the cravings, circumstantial cravings get weaker and weaker because you've practiced a different way of living your life that in my opinion is so much better. Like I used to fear, you know, going to happy hour because that was always a time that would cause me to binge. And for years, you know, while I was recovering, I couldn't go to happy hour, really, because I didn't know myself well enough yet. I didn't trust myself. I was like, it was too um, worrying or unstable, you know? But now I have no fear, ever. And the same goes for smoking, same goes for drugs. I used to worry about being out of control and like accidentally falling back into it. But now I know what... I do. I know what I'm capable of. And that's because I have fully conceptualized this thing and what it really is and how it really works. So that is what I'm trying to translate to you. And I just want you to know, here's how this change will take place. Like you right now are in the conceptualization stage of just really understanding what this thing means to you and how it's affected you. And previously, it was probably confusing. Like previously, you were probably like, but I really do love this. It really does make my life better. So now you're starting to kind of confront separating it from you. And that is just the very beginning of seeing like, oh, I actually do want change. 
And after that, you're going to have to take a few concrete actions that will make you feel threatened. It'll make your addiction feel like, no, 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 no. You get, it'll give you kind of like um, almost withdrawals, the symptoms of withdrawals in the actions themselves. So you're going to have to take actions almost like your eyes are closed and you're walking in the general direction of learning more and bringing in new knowledge and bringing in new team members that can help you. So that would mean you're buying the book, you're reading the book despite not wanting or like you're going to have to throw yourself into reading it like a paragraph at a time while your brain's not looking. And that those actions have to happen throwing your, your rope up the mountain, you know? And maybe that means, you know, you're in, attending the Alan Carr in-person training. I, my mother-in-law did that. It sounds like it was amazing. Um, I'm going to put links to his books in the show notes, by the way. Um, whatever it is, I would love it if you could just <laughs> say it again, if you could pause this and read the next page of that book, if you did buy it. Um, and if you want to write to me, I can definitely send you a link to that book and, uh, I'll, I'll tell you all about it. I mean, that is how much this means to me. That book is, it's a great book. It's very, it ha- coincidentally happened to be the same exact way that I got off of drugs. And I discovered the book when I was quitting spoken. I was like, oh, cool. That's my thinking as well. So anyway, after this stage you are in right now of starting, of conceptualizing, you are going to find resistance in your body. And you're going to have a desire to blind yourself again. But just expect that. Notice it and keep walking in the same direction. Just keep going through the motions despite it. I had to have so much control over how my particular um, recovery process happened because I was so resistant, you know, like with regards to therapy and to treatment, I had to be always the like boss of what I was going to do and when I was going to do it. And I remember being in therapy at the beginning and I was thinking like, this person doesn't know nearly as much as I do. They have not lived through what I've lived and they cannot help me, which is pretty logical to think that way because in a lot of cases it's true. There are a lot of bad therapists out there. So I would say give yourself enough tries with different therapists before you settle on one and choose that person like you would choose a friend. But that thought process really made me believe I knew everything and made me believe I knew more than all therapists and made me believe that no one could help me. And that is the fear talking. That's the fear thinking. And that's not true. Absolutely not true. There are many, many, many brilliant therapists who have helped many, many people who are going through exactly what you are going through, and they can absolutely help walk you through the darkness. And, you know, the guru, what is a guru means a, a guide from darkness to light. That's what a therapist is. They, they hold your hand and they keep you walking in the right direction. And the work is done by you on your own time. It's all in your control. There's nothing that happens out of your control. And once you're in the treatment, once you're in the process of going through the motions of healing yourself, you're just in it. It's, it's an unfolding process that happens organically. As long as you have that goal, it, the change is inevitable. I'm going to say that again. It is inevitable. It happens because you have chosen it. And it'll happen absolutely you will have it. It'll happen on its, on its own. 
It's not all at once. And you just walk it as you walk it in your style. And in my particular process, I was, I was incredibly impatient and I wanted it to all happen right away. So if you're like me, you can do that. You can be super aggressive and go all in and double down and do 10 times the work. And then it'll probably happen a lot faster. And I know that that I'm oversimplifying the process of what it takes to overcome something. Like there are a lot, there's a lot of actual emotional work that goes on. There's a lot of, um, you have to also support yourself with like physical practices that can help support your chemicals recovering and replace the thing, the process that's the release of chemicals that's currently happening because of this thing. But that is something, um, I'm inviting you to start the process of and know that while you're working on it, your addiction isn't gone. You know, the, the addiction, you, you stop the addiction once you decide to, and you have to get to that state when you decide to for real. So just don't think that when you start therapy, like, oh, but then I'm going to have to, you know, gain a ton of weight and then I'm going to have to start to chew Nicorette because I won't be able to, like, that's not, all of those beliefs are wrong. And the thing happens in a different way than you think it will. You don't lose control at any stage. It's, you get to the place where you're like, and I'm done. That's what happens. With a quit smoking book, also, you smoke the entire time you read it. And you don't quit until you're ready to quit, until you decide to. So it's not about guilting you or making you feel shittier about your habit. It's the opposite. So the whole process of healing and getting back your balance is organic and it happens on its own time. And it's only something that you let go of when you are ready to let go of it and not before. So just, I would say, feel safe in entering this work stage. You know, what, right, what you're doing right now is understanding how this thing operates and understanding that you actually don't want to do it and understanding how it controls you and what the circumstances of it uh, like how it operates in your life and why it operates in your life and why it gets triggered and how your brain has been tricked on, into relying on it. And you're basically dis- dismantling, you're seeing that you're in the matrix, you're dismantling the hooks on your head, you know? But the, the main thing, the key, I would say this is the secret golden key to this whole process is fear, is seeing fear as an object in your life. This chemical fear of losing your addiction is the thing that will come up periodically and it'll come up in different shapes and forms. And what, what you have to do is just see it, see it for what it is, is false. It's an illusion. Like this fear of like, but I don't want to let go. That's bullshit. That's just like this chemical withdrawal thing. It's like, nope, you just got to keep going despite it. And know that all of this balance that you get back in your life, like when you, what I replaced my addiction with is exercise, meditation, yoga, hiking, cooking, dancing, doing my nails more, (laughs) shit like that. Like super fun, beneficial, happy things. And guess what? Your body will remember. Your body likes to be balanced and eventually you don't get the cravings anymore. You don't have to live in fear anymore. The change isn't going to be like what you think it's going to be. And on the other side, you are better 
and not a worse version of you. Your life is better and not worse. So make no mistake. I used to think I'm going to miss this, but I don't miss any of it ever. I'm free. Thank fucking God. (laughs) Which brings me to my next tool, which is hate this fucking thing. (laughs) So I want you to, I know this sounds counterintuitive, but I want you to practice really hating how this thing makes you feel, whatever it is. I want you to like reframe this feeling whenever you're using it, whenever you're doing it. Just really focus on how disgusting and terrible this thing is that is ruining your life. Like it's sucking up so much of your time and your health and it makes you more exhausted and just lean into this fucking sucks. I hate this. I hate this. Like stare at it and think of the fact that like this is destroying me. So if you're abusing a drug, just really notice and scan the quality of how it makes your body feel after it's worn off, like the next day. And if that's smoking, you know, try running, um, you know, a couple blocks and just really focus on like the burn of your throat and how exhausted it makes you feel. Like study the smell and like the shame that brings that smell, you know. I remember being in an elevator with people and I'd just be like, oh, I smell terrible. This is terrible. So this is just really to mentally get yourself tipped into the direction of wanting that change and knowing that that is where your truth lies. Um, Okay, cool. The next tool is called fear pills. So I want you to write this down somewhere, some version of it for yourself. Um, Basically, when you start to get anxiety and that powerful sense of ambivalence or overwhelm, like when you start to think like, I'm not ready to change, or I don't want to change, or I can't let go of this thing. I just want you to remember this. This thing makes you miserable and the fear is the actual chemical result of this thing. Like your, your fear is only created by this thing. The fear is the anxiety result of the drug addiction. So it's the, think of it as like fear equals withdrawals. The fear is panic over, um, you know, we think it's the panic over not getting the drug in the future or suffering what we perceive um, is going to be like such intense pain of not having this drug, whatever it is. But that is a false prediction. That is a false um, meaning, a false translation of what that fear is about. The fear in this whole process, the fear is the biggest part of your pain. That is the most difficult part of overcoming this thing is just the fear. The fear of powerlessness, the fear of being untethered, the fear of not having the thing we think we need. That is the biggest, hardest part of all of this. Just that fear. Like if you can imagine not having any fear, everything in your life would be so accessible. You could do anything. So if you start to get afraid of losing this addiction or facing up to the change that needs to occur, remember, I actually hate this thing and I don't want this thing. And the thing is making me feel like I can't let go of it. That's the fucking drug. It's telling you that. So those are my tools. As I said, they're like the starter pack to this process. And I'm telling you, if you want it, you will have it. That's absolutely true. 
And uh, I have a little more of a pep talk in my closing. Before I close, though, I want to thank my latest sponsors, Christine, a huge donation from you. Thank you so very much. And a huge donation from Lauren. Thank you times a million. And a new monthly sponsor, Celeste. Thank you so very much. And a new Patreon sponsor, Elizabeth. Thank you, guys. Donations are so helpful to this show. And if you have the means, you can head to yaywithme.com or visit me on Patreon. And if you don't have the means, I totally get it. A review on iTunes is also greatly appreciated. Um, And with that, in closing... Fear is what controls so much of our lives in a bad way. And if we could learn to move despite fear, we could move mountains. We could literally do anything. Like you could do anything if you were not blinded and stuck into the sand by fear. And what I want you to realize is that fear is wrong. It's false. The thing we believe that keeps us stationary or prevents us from doing the learning or beginning the change, it's because we buy into fear. We buy it. We believe it. And I'm telling you right now that the key to everything is staring at your fear, accepting it, knowing, yeah, I'm fucking terrified of change and I don't think it's possible. And I really don't want to look at this thing and continuing to throw yourself into actions despite it. Your biggest enemy is fear and not the actual loss of this thing. Losing the addiction isn't that painful or as difficult as you think it will be. It's so much easier than your fear is telling you it will be. And the negatives are not real negatives. But you can't see that part now because right now you're still in the haze of the chemical addiction. And to move out of it, you have to start with education and understanding and really dismantle the chemical effects and separate it from you and who you are and what you want. And the rest is, rest is a process of repeating the tools that others have used to get out of this habit, like your life depends on it, and doing it, and doing it, and doing it again, and then doing more of it, and then doing more of it again. But the loss of this habit will bring you so much joy, and relief, and freedom, and hope, and time, and presence, and quality of life. Like I have so much more time and and sense of enjoyment and I'm able to participate in my own experiences and I'm no longer split and waiting to be doing something else. And that is really a key ingredient in us being able to enjoy our lives and you deserve to enjoy your life. So I very much hope you fucking downloaded that book (laughs) and that you read a paragraph. And if you didn't, if it's not the book thing for you, like check out um, Google some therapists right now to take an action, whatever it is. And as always, smile. Mm-hmm.